welcome back to our High Five, where we're gonna highlight five awesome things that are happening in the life of our church. So let's jump into it. Up at number five, this past Saturday, volunteers from our Franklin Outpost gathered at Odell Park for Choose Franklin Community Days. There were bounce houses, tons of games, a climbing wall, and our Franklin Outpost even made and handed out over 100 tie-dye t-shirts. High five, Franklin. Way to share God's love with your community. Up at number four, here at One Church, kids four years old through graduating fifth graders are gearing up for Adventure Bible Camp. They're gonna have a blast and learn more about God's kingdom. Adventure Bible Camp will be hosted at our Manchester Outpost June 26th through the 29th, and you can visit church.one slash events to register your kids today. Here at number three, for the last few weeks, One Church filled baby bottles with coins, cash, and checks to partner with pregnancy centers who help care for individuals and families facing unplanned pregnancy. Hundreds of bottles were returned, so high five to everyone who took part in sharing God's love in this way. Up at number two, Sheila and Doug attended our Bedford outpost this past Sunday and decided that they were ready to respond to what God was calling them to do and be baptized. They claimed the truth that their identity is in Christ and we're all celebrating that with them today. High five, you guys. And finally, up at number one, we're celebrating Cassie and what God is doing in her life. Cassie's been attending our Rutland outpost and this past Sunday, she was baptized. It was a beautiful celebration of her faith in Jesus. Way to go, Cassie. This high five goes out to you today. Thanks for joining us for our high five and I can't wait to celebrate with you in the next one. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. You're the light of the world. I was thinking about light. There's a lot of power to light. Have you ever uh, taken the night drive? Any of you have to drive through the hours of the night? Anybody have that shift, that wonderful shift where, you know, your passengers have fallen asleep and it's gotten dark and you got the windows rolled down just because you got to get, get the cool air going. You, you try to find the loudest music, most annoying music. I, I put on a little Rush. I like a little Rush. I don't know if any Rush fans in the room, but uh, you get that, that shrill voice going and the, the drum beat going. And man, you were just, just hoping, hoping and longing for the sunrise. And have you ever been in that moment? Have you ever been in that moment where you're just longing for the sun to, to break through and, it, and, and to bring a little bit of hope? And all of a sudden, at the, the wee hours, as, as you're about to like fall asleep and to drift off to sleep, all of a sudden, the light cracks the darkness. And all of a sudden, hope is there. It's like, maybe, maybe you can just make it through. I was thinking about light. We were at a lighthouse not too long ago. We had a wedding this past week. My niece got married. The whole family was out. And we're in New England now, and they're from Indiana, so lighthouses are something. And we went and saw the lighthouse. And I thought, I was standing there, staring at the lighthouse, and I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking about like the purpose of a lighthouse, like to give this warning of, you know, there's danger along the way. Light. I was thinking about how light guides things. Have you ever tried to walk in a dark room and you're bumping into everything and, and light kind of gives this, it helps you know where you're going? Light's cool, light. 
light, light is powerful when you stop and think about it. Which is why I, I'm, I'm somewhat overwhelmed, I said, in some sense, when, when Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, will say of you and me, you are the light of the world. And I think about you who go to, to high school and, and everybody else who goes to work. And I think like that's a, that's, a, that's a bold claim. Like, who are you? You're light. You are the light of the world. Like, without you, I, I don't know how to finish that sentence necessarily. Like, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. And you're like, well, I, I'm dim. I'm pretty dim. And, and I would say, well, God can use a dim light. God can use a, uh, like, because any light in the midst of darkness will illuminate. And so sometimes we shrink back, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm very bright, and I don't know if I can shine very brightly. And Jesus will say, well, that's who I made you to be. It's who you are. So we're in the series called City on a Hill. And we've been looking at the practices of the church. And you're like, okay, well, what is it that makes us light? It certainly can't be me, right? Because it certainly can't be, we, we often look inside ourselves, and I don't know if I have very much going. But what Jesus will say is, no, when I come and live inside you, my light is poured into your life. And, and like, like treasure in a jar of clay through the brokenness, like I, he gets to be seen in the midst of it. And so we, we've been going through this series, and our memory verse comes from Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. And we're going to say it together. And as you say it, may you hear it as Jesus' word speaking to you. Bring all your hang-ups. Bring all your mess. Bring all your failures. Bring all your, your shyness or your boisterousness. Bring it all and listen to what Jesus says as it comes out of your mouth. So we're going to read it together. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. That didn't sound like you were convinced. Will you say it louder with me? You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Here's what I'll say. You are the light of your school. You are the light of your workplace. You are the light of your family. And you're like, well, not because of you necessarily, but because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done through you. And so well, what does it mean to be the light of the world? Is Jesus is talking to his church. He's talking to his followers and we often can shrink back. And yet when we gather together and we, we worship together, just in the gathering of God's people to sing songs to him, there's something there. Like when we gather to worship, God is revealed through the worship of his people. We, we come and we have communion, we have a meal together, a common union, that there's something that brings us together to this weird little meal that we participate in together, and, and in some way that's declaring who Jesus is. Like, in, in what we do, we, we pray together. In fact, at one church, we have a common prayer that we pray. And it's a bold prayer that, that, that invites us, or it not just invites us, but it reminds us that we are invited into God's mission and into his purpose every single day of our lives. We pray for one. And the prayer is, Lord, please give me someone to share your love with. In fact, will you say that with me? Lord, please give me someone to share your love with. And what that, what that prayer does, it says, God, I, I want to be connected to you. Because that's what prayer is. Like, prayer is this relationship with God. It's this communication with God. And the, the tempting thing, I suppose, in my life is to always bring my... Um, 
in prayer. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's something that we do, I suppose, like in, in the beginning of our lives or beginning of our maturity with God or immaturity with God. It's like, God, I'm just going to bring you everything that's going on in my life, which is perfectly great. That's wonderful. He wants to hear you in that way. But I, I've realized, I, I guess in my own life, when my prayers are always about me, um, there's something that can be positive to that, but there's, God is doing so much more than just that. So prayer says, God, God, help me to connect to you. What do you, what do you want in my life? What, do you, what are you looking for? Where's your heart? And what you, God, God, how can I step with your heartbeat into this world? Because I know that if it's just about me, that it's meant it's so limited in and of myself. And what you'll find is, that the heart of God is for the person that he brought to your mind. Like when you say, God, please give me someone to share your love with, and I'm convinced that God will bring that person to your mind. In fact, you're probably thinking about that person right now. Hopefully, you're at the very moment. In fact, think about them. And then what it does is, okay, well, God loves that person. God not only loves that person, he loves that person that he would die for that person. And maybe it's a person that you don't like, and maybe it's a person that you won't forgive, and, and maybe it's a person like, like you've got all these kinds of problems with, and, and Jesus is saying, no, guess what? You are the light of the world. You are light to that person, so I want to use your, your life in that. And so praying for one, it connects us to God, it connects us to people, which ultimately connects us to his mission. Because Jesus says, when I, when I'm lifted up, I want to draw all people to myself. And so praying for one, it connects us to God, and it connects us to people, and it connects us to his mission. And so we pray together. Today we're talking about evangelism. Which when you think about it is a weird word. You probably haven't used that word yesterday or today, right? Evangelism. It's a very Christian type word. Evangelism. Anybody, anybody use that word recently? Evangelism. And, and, and there's a couple things you could do with Christian words. You could say, well, we got to just bring a modernization to it. We've got we to gotta, we gotta kind of let that word go. And yet there's something beautiful about the word. The word evangelism, it really means to, to share good news. Now think about that for a second, because, because you, you might have had like negative, in some sense, ideas around this idea of evangelism. Sometimes it's, it's the person who's like yelling out on the street corners, and, and, and it's the turn or burn type of thing, and you're like, I don't, want, I, I don't know if I, I want that idea of evangelism. And I guess as someone in this room has had that experience of like, of like, I don't understand why this person's yelling at me, and I know I get a little passionate in my yelling, but I, hopefully it's not that way. But then there's a side of evangelism that's like, oh, I just don't, I'll, I'll do anything. Just don't ask me to evangelize to anybody. Like, I, I don't know if I can handle it. Like I, and so we have this, either this fear of it or almost this loathing of it. It's like, well, what is evangelism? Well, let's free up this word. This word evangelism simply just means it's to share good news. Now, I can get on board with that. Like, what if the purpose of your life, hold on to this for a second. What if the purpose of your life is to share good news? What if when you go to school tomorrow, some of you might, like your purpose is to share good news. To go to work, it's to share good news. Because sometimes you're like, oh, I've got to have all of the information together. I've got to bring my brief, briefcase with all these logical arguments that I, I, that I can present to my, my coworker, and I've just got to win the argument and, and defeat whatever. And no, what if it's just to share good news? What if God wants to use you in your life to share good news? So as we've been going through the practices, we've been kind of asking the who, the what, the when, the where, the how. The how. Well, what is evangelism? What is, what is evangelism? It's sharing good news. In fact, if I nerd out for a little bit, 
The, the word evangelism actually comes from this, this idea of a king who sent his army off to another battlefield and has won a great victory there. And they send a runner back to town. We get the word, we get the idea of a marathon, right? They ran that, that, the long length to, for the runner to, to announce that a victory has been won by the king. And, and so that runner, the runner who's coming back is like, he's running back into the city. He's running back and he says, hey, the king has been victorious. And so he gets to bear that good news of, of a victory that has just been won. And I think about, well, what is our good news? Well, we have a king. And the enemy we face is not a political or national enemy. But I certainly in my life have felt my own enemies. Have you felt your own enemies? The problems of sin or guilt or shame or death. And all of a sudden, Jesus Christ comes into the world and he gives his life and he's raised to life again. And all of a sudden you're like, well, if he died and is raised to life again, and scripture will say that he's the first fruits of all who will raise to life again. Well, the victory, the, the message of victory that we get to carry is, hey, guess what? Death is not the great end all. Some of the greatest fears that maybe fill this room or fill the people that you know is this idea of death. And, and yet the good news that you and I have is like, death is not the end all. And that is great news, is it not? And that is great news that, that death, as much as sickness and all of the diseases that we might face in this world and all the fears that your friends and family might face is like, hey, guess what? The sting has, of death has been conquered. They're, the grave is empty. Death I, is not the greatest enemy. The greatest enemy, if you were to ask me, is me. I can make some dumb decisions and you can make some dumb decisions. I'm not going to be the only one in this room that owns up to dumb decisions. You make some dumb decisions. You can walk around with guilt and shame and, and bitterness and addiction and relational struggles and all of the stuff that we carry around and what Jesus says is, come to me and I'll take that. Are you lonely? Come to me and I'll be your friend. Are you lonely? Come to me and you will find healing. So what is evangelism? It's, it's carrying good news. And we have the best news possible. Well, who, 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 who participates in evangelism? Here's where I'm not going to let you off the hook. Each and every one of us, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be given. Each and every one of us. And it's been a long time in my life having to own up to that and say, okay, God wants to use this guy. And I would say, God wants to use th these people, these, these men, these women, these young people. He wants to use each and every one of us. So who is evangelist? Each and every one of us get to share the wonderful news of Jesus. Don't let the enemy ever trick you to think that it is bad news. Paul will say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the best news possible. And the people that you are praying for, there is nothing better that they could hear is that, is that there is a king who loves them, who is all-powerful and all-sufficient for whatever it is that they're going through, and that they are invited into to, to the sonship or daughtership of the king. Like, what in the world? Like, this is the best news we, anybody could ever hear. Why do we do it? Because... From the very beginning of time, before 
Whereas God is making a nation out of a guy named Abraham. He says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless you so you be a blessing to others. Why do we do it? It's because, man, our purpose and our meaning is found in the idea that we are called by God, invited into his mission and into his purposes. There's this passage in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. I like doing this. It's just one verse that we're going to wrestle through in three parts today. Just one verse, three parts. You can memorize this. You probably can. Like it's a wonderful thing to, to think about it. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. I'm going to read it. It says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. Always be ready. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone, to anyone, to someone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. What you find about evangelism is that evangelism connects us to God. It connects us to God because we get to do what Jesus did. Like, that is the invitation of God. Is like, you get to do what Jesus did. You're like, oh, that's not me. Like, I can't do that. I'm like, yep. That's the calling on your life. You get, to, you get to do what Jesus did. And so what did Jesus do? Luke chapter 4, Jesus, beginning of his ministry. It's, it, Luke chapter 4, Jesus will walk into the temple, and someone hands him a scroll. And, and Jesus will, will read from the scroll, and he says this. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is in you. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is, is upon me because he's called me. He's anointed me. He has set me apart. Now, you are called and you're anointed by God and you are set apart. He says, you set me apart to proclaim the good news. To heal the broken. To bring freedom to the captives. Sight to the blind. And then Jesus sits down and he says, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. And so you watch Jesus, and you're like, okay, how does Jesus carry about good news? How does he carry good news? How does he, how does he evangelize? And we have all of these ideas around evangelism and all these fears and all these things that we, we, we might struggle with. And you're like, oh, but I'm being called. Like, God is wanting to use my life to be a light. If, if it's true that I'm the light of the world, then what does this look like? How does it look like? Well, you got to look to Jesus because Jesus shows us what it looks like. And if you're, if you're like struggling, okay, Jesus, how do you want to use my life? Well, what is Jesus' life? How does Jesus share the good news? Well, here's how Jesus shares the good news. He loves people. He finds people who are broken and hurting. And, and he loves them. He finds people that no one else wants to touch. And he touches them. He finds the people who are sitting lonely and outcast. And he, he makes them friends. He finds the people that no one can stand. And he says, you know what? You have a place at my table. You have a, a seat in my kingdom. And, and so... What does evangelism look like? Well, I think evangelism looks like uh, Jesus like, having a feast with his disciples, and he's the one who gets up, and he starts washing everybody's feet, and then he tells his disciples, hey, I want you to evangelize too. And you're like, what does that mean? Well, I want you to wash feet. How do you share the good news? Well, Jesus shares the good news by saying, my life is for you. So 1 Peter chapter 3, the first part of the verse, it says, but in your hearts... Revere Jesus as Lord. 
And I thought what a gift that phrase is. I learned it is in your heart, set apart Jesus as Lord. I don't know if that makes a difference or not. But I was thinking about it. It threw me off a little bit because I'm used to set apart and, and then I'm thinking about in your hearts, revere Jesus as Lord. So it got me thinking of, okay, what are you talking about? Revere, reverence, fear, awe. And I thought about what a, what a gift that is because there is this temptation in your life to serve a lot of different lords. There's this temptation for you to worry about what everybody else thinks. And if you're not careful, you're going to steer that way. You might go that way. You can get distracted by chasing all of these different things. But what Peter is saying, well, here's what, here's what I really want you to do. In your heart, the only fear that you need to have is let Jesus be your Lord. Let, let, because if I'm not careful, if you're not careful when you go to school, you, look, you worry about what your friends think about you. When you go to work tomorrow, you can be careful about what your th- friends think about you or what your enemies think about you. And really what, what Peter is saying, well, no, what I really want you to do is, no, let Jesus be Lord. Let him be the, the clarifying person, the, the one in your life that you, you can set to please. And that will bring a solution to a lot of other things. Like if you want clarity of your life, in your heart, let Jesus be Lord. My family's been in, my sister has like, 45 kids, and we're going down to Boston, and um, we're walking the Freedom Trail, because that's what you do. Lighthouses and Freedom Trails. Like, like that is the New England experience. You've, maybe you've done it. You've had people come out, a Freedom Trail, and all of these things. And I, I, let me just tell you, it is an adventure walking the Freedom Trail with like 25 people. And that, I'm not like, sometimes I exaggerate with numbers. I think it was 25 people walking the Freedom Trail. And we're trying to show them all of these different things. And I'm trying, I'm trying to get them over to like Paul Revere's gravestone and stuff. I don't know why we do this, but I'm like, hey, I, I want to see Paul, Paul, Paul Revere's great tombstone and stuff like that, Benjamin Franklin and all these. And somewhere I, I looked and we had lost the trail. Anybody ever walked the Freedom Trail and lost the trail? They're like, I don't know where I'm going anymore. Or, or, or you got 25 people and they're all going different directions because there's a lot of kids there and they're all going off. And, and you start to go, you, there is this temptation to wander everywhere, but there's this synthesizing thing, synthesizing thing that we came to. It's like, no, this, t- this day we are going to follow the trail. There are probably a lot of arguments you could have at work tomorrow. There are probably a lot of debates that you could have at school. There's all of these different things that we could, we could, we could run after. We could worry about the opinions of others, or we could, we could worry about making people happy or making them mad, whichever is your forte, I suppose. But Peter's talking to a church who's really suffering persecution. If you know anything about the Emperor Nero, he's killing Christians and like, using them as lights. And Peter says, well, what are we supposed to do in sharing the good news? Well, the first thing that we do is in your hearts, revere Jesus as Lord. And I've been thinking about that for a couple weeks now. And I thought about how many problems that solves. I'm not Lord. And the people around me aren't the Lord. But in my heart, I'm going to revere Jesus as Lord. And so if, if Jesus is Lord, then Jesus, let me do what you do. If Jesus is Lord, Jesus, let me say what you would say. 
If Jesus said, Lord, Jesus, let me serve as you would serve. Let me love as you would love. And so the people that you bring to my mind, even at this very moment, Lord, help me to be Jesus to them. Because it's a wonderful get to share good news. Evangelism, it connects us to people. Because the world is desperate for good news. The world is desperate for hope. And God can use our lives to bring hope to the people around us. And it is a wonderful privilege, a, a wonderful blessing to be a hope bearer to the world. And that is what you are. You are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were speaking to the world through you. And so the, the person that's upon your mind, like, it's as though God were speaking to them through you. Can God do something in their life independent of you? Well, absolutely. Of course he can. Does God probably want to use you as the conduit? Because maybe it's not just for them. Maybe it's for you too that God wants to, to make an impact. And so our world is desperate for hope. And I'm desperate for hope. We're desperate for hope. And God has poured his hope in us so that we can bring hope to other people. And so he, he invites us to participate. And so this is what Paul will go on to say. He says... Um, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. You ever walk through a city and more of an amusement park, I suppose. My brother-in-law was here and I remember a time we went to a roller coaster place. I don't think anybody's ever called them just roller coaster places. That was weird. An amusement park and you saw people carrying around this turkey leg. Have you ever seen the big turkey leg? You guys, you guys have seen the big turkey leg. And so my brother-in-law, Dave, he's like, hey, where'd you get that turkey leg? Hey, where'd you get that? And if you have kids, you, you deal with, uh, hey, where'd you get that? Where'd they get that? If it's candy, if it's a turkey leg, Dave is like, where did you get that turkey leg? Because it's, it's a sight to see someone carrying a turkey leg. And you're like, where did you get that? Where did you get that? Where'd you get that? And so when... When Dave gets on something, he gets on something. And so he's asking me, where'd you get that? Where'd you get that? Where'd you get that? And I was thinking about that phrase, where'd you get that? And I'm thinking about people in my life that I've watched follow Jesus on mountaintops and in storms. And there is this hope and this peace about them. And there's something in my mind that says, hey, where'd you get that? There's something in my mind that's like, hey, that looks better than a turkey leg. Where'd you get that? Like, where did you get that? And then I thought about you at school tomorrow or you at work tomorrow. And I think about Jesus saying, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. And here's what I would say is if we're doing this right, and I don't even know what I mean by that phrase. If, if we're doing this right, if we're walking with Jesus, if, Je if we set apart Jesus as Lord, there will be this resounding question in our life. Hey, where'd you get that? And all Peter says is be ready for that question. He says, be prepared. And so what does preparation look like? Well, well, preparation looks like this. Preparation means knowing how to define your hope. 
Anyway, I'm thinking about that because I've heard this verse all my life and and, and, and you start, you all of a sudden, you start thinking of evangelism terms of, oh, I've got to have all of the answers. I've got I to figure this all out. And, and you've been probably, if you've wanted to share Jesus, you've been a little nervous about it sometimes. You're like, and and so, so there's something about being ready for it. It's like not, not to be afraid of it, but being ready in a sense of like, okay, well, what is my hope? Don't, don't make it complicated. Jesus loves me. This I know. Well, I know me, and I get to know him. And there's a lot more to hope than that, I know. But that is a start. So be, to be able to find your hope that, that there's a God who wants to be in relationship with you. With you, with me. He wants to be in relationship with us. There's a God who can meet us at our brokenness, and he can bring us new life. He can meet us in our death, and he can make us alive again. There's something there. That he's a God who can transform us, that he can meet me like as a mess, and somewhere over time there's this promise that he can make me into a masterpiece, and so he's not done with me yet, and so there's still work there, but my hope is, is that he who began a good work in me will see it through to completion. And so define your hope. Know your story, or practice your story, because you've got a beautiful story. Sometimes I used to think that you had to have this whole, and some of you do, you have this one beautiful story about, like, man, your life was going the wrong direction, and whew, Jesus, like, came in and saved you at the last moment, and every addiction was broken, and, and I'm like, I never had that story. But I realized that every story that has Jesus in it is a beautiful story. You just got to practice it. You got to know how to tell it. And then share what you know. Be ready, be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. Evangelism connects us to mission because we get to share good news in good news way. Don't make good news bad news. Please, don't make good news boring news. We have the best news possible. I was thinking about amusement parks, and I'm thinking about, have you ever gone and you stood in the three-hour line for a roller coaster? It's so hot, and you're trying to keep the kids in line in order, and you finally get up, and you're excited. You're like, finally, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. I'm ready for it all to happen. And the announcer behind the microphone has been there all day, and they're like, welcome to the most wonderful ride you'll ever experience. Buckle up. Don't take pictures. You'll get in trouble. We'll throw you out. Like, what? I'm ready for the adventure. We have the best news, and part of I think what we're called to is okay, I, how do I share this in, in a way that is good news? Because I'm not sure if we've always done the best job of making good news good news. I think we sometimes can make it bad news or boring news or old news. But Peter ends with this. He says, but do this with gentleness and respect. The church in Peter's day is genuinely being persecuted because of their belief in Jesus. But Peter says, when you talk to people about Jesus, 
There might be this temptation to run all over people. There might be this temptation to try to be right in your own eyes. But when you share Jesus, do it with gentleness and respect. Because the message that we have is good news. One of the practices that we celebrate every Sunday is this weird little embodiment of good news. A victory was won in what looked like defeat. The king was upon a cross just earlier saying, this is my body that will be given for you. And when you do this, remember, remember me. We take to the king. Blood was pouring down from the cross. And man, at that moment, it did not look like good news. But by the blood of Jesus offered to us in this great expression of his love, he says, this is the blood of the new promise, the new covenant. Whenever you do this, remember me. We take to the king. We all stand with me. Maybe you're here today and Maybe you're here today and need some good news. Please know that the best news possible has been shared with you. And that is that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, you are loved by God. Your sins can be washed away. Your life can be made new. And the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead can be with you at this very moment. So that if he is for us, then what can stand against us? Maybe you're here today and you need prayer. Elizabeth will be up front. I'll be down here. If there's any way we can be praying for you, we would love to pray with you. Lori will be in the back. If there's anything that we could pray with you for, maybe today's the day that (laughs) The invitation of Jesus, the good news is to be received every day, and so you can receive the good news right now. And one of the beautiful ways that we get to do that is by being baptized into him. We have water. If you want to say yes to the good news of Jesus, to be made new into the victory that's come through him, there's no reason to delay. We all pray with me. But I thank you for being a God who, who speaks. And Father, I pray for everyone here. Lights. But I pray for the schools, for every job, for every family member. that we might be lights. Lord, as before me and behind me are bearers of the best news that every ear could hear, that every heart is longing for.
Lord, I pray that we might step into that with confidence and boldness and trust that you will show up because you are the good news. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. your heart I need compassion for someone who needs your love today help me to see them as someone that you have come to save have your way what are your thoughts who's on your mind that I would be your hands and feet today I know you're with me and you're giving me the words to say you'll make a way I will go when you say go I will make your presence known give me someone to share your love with they will see goodness Lord they will hope in you alone and give me someone to share your love with and give me the faith that any one of us can come alive in Jesus name God let your kingdom come your will be done on earth today Till that day Oh, I will go When you say go I will make your presence known And give me someone To share your love with They will see your goodness, Lord They will hope in you alone Give me someone to share is it that he wants to lay on your heart? Take a moment with him. We're trusting in you, Lord. Guide us. Thank you. You are the love we need. Yours is the power we seek. So Lord, take the lead. Lord, take the lead. You are the love we need. Yours is the power we seek. Lord, take the lead. Lord, take the lead. I will go when you say go. 
I will make your presence known. Give me someone to share your love with. They will see your goodness, Lord, and the hope in you alone. Give me someone to share your love with. Give me someone to share your love with. I smile big right now because this hope that we have and how he's going to move when we trust in him, as John said, as we look to share his love, my friends. He's worthy of our praise for what he's going to do next. Yeah, can we give our God a, a round of applause for what he's going to do next in our lives, in our midst, because of what step we take in following him and sharing this good news. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Let's continue in song.